Welcome to Outspoken, where we dive deep into the topics and intersection of technology, money, business, and passion. I'm your host, Shana Cosgrove. I decided that I was going to build my own website. I started listening to podcasts and things about internet business and earning money online. And I thought, you know, I can do this. People expect you to be on the first page of Google again. If you're not, you know, it's, it's a big problem. So, and once you get there, you tend to stay there. We invest a lot in our clients and their success. You know, we're not just performing the work, but like we want to help them be successful. Well, I am very excited to be here with managing partner of Vital Up Marketing and my business partner, 50-50 business partner, Kevin Sando. Kevin, would you describe yourself as more shy or introverted? Introverted, I think. So this is a really big deal that I actually got him to agree to it. But did you feel like you had a choice? I think that's an important question to ask. No, I knew I had to do it at some point. <laughs> Just so, like posting yeah. on LinkedIn? Yes, yes. <laughs> and so I, I know that you'll always push me. So <laughs> Let's start with easy questions. Tell me a little bit about where you are located and about your family. I currently live in Rochester, New York. I grew up about 45 minutes south of Buffalo, New York in a pretty small town. So that's only about an hour and a half away that I have moved now. I came up here for school and really loved it here. So we stayed. My mom is a was a high school math teacher for 30 years. She's retired now. And my dad worked for an aerospace company called Moog. He started in purchasing department and kind of worked his way up to become a VP of their commercial aircraft group. Your mother, what kind of math teacher was she? What, what grades? Uh, she did high school trigonometry, geometry, that, that type of stuff. Did she teach at your school? No, no, okay. it was a neighboring town. Yeah, she she didn't want to teach at our school. She wanted us to go to a different school than where she taught. And your father, was he an engineer? No, he actually has a degree in geology. He worked for um, an oil and gas company for a few years, like scouting new locations for drilling. And then he got into, he worked kind of an industrial engineering job in the 80s. And then the year I was born is when he went to Moog. So he, he spent his last 30 years there and, and got into purchasing and management. Okay. So he moved more into like a finance aspect of it or acquisitions? I guess more operations. So dealing with suppliers and and the cust- and customers. How many years did he do that for? Or is he still doing that? Nope. He just retired last year. So he I think he got out at a good time because the commercial aircraft has had a hard year. So so are both he and your mom retired then? Yes, they're both retired now. How's that going? Good. It's not, <laughs> the, the first year is not what they expected. They, I think they wanted to be doing some traveling and stuff. So, you know, this year has been a, a bummer for everybody, but. Yeah. And you have a sibling? Yes, I have, a, I have one brother. He is an orthopedic surgeon down in Tampa Bay, Florida. How much older than you is he? Three years. He's three years. So are you guys pretty close? Yes. Yeah, very close. Were you competitive growing up? Not really. I get the feeling he's more type A. Like, I don't know him at all. He is. Yeah, definitely. But he's got to be like way more intense than you. Yeah, he's much more, much more outgoing. He is more competitive than me and other things. So <laughs> I think you're probably competitive with yourself, right? Are you hard on yourself? Yes, very. Yeah. I think, yeah. That, that's my impression. 
but yeah. he's like outwardly, like everyone knows he's probably, well, I think just a stereotype of a surgeon, right? Is that they're like super intense. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the impression I get from the other surgeons he works with as well. Are all of his friends surgeons too? Does he have like normal people? Yeah. He, he's still friends with a lot of all of his high school friends who aren't, you know, surgeons, but he, you know, he's got a ton of surgeon friends from med school and residency. So. Yeah. And randomly, yeah. right. So he, he did his residency in Baltimore. Yes. And lived yeah. on my street. Yes. Like almost next door to you <laughs> apparently, but I, I didn't oh, really? know. So, so I was, yeah, I, I, I guess I was very close to your house once. I only stayed at that place one, one time, but he was there for a year or two while they were waiting for their place to get built. How funny. Now, so I haven't told anyone how you and I know each other. So Kevin's wife's sister, Amanda, and I met Amanda through a Facebook group. (laughs) So Amanda moved down from what, Buffalo? Yes, she was in Buffalo. Yeah. So Amanda moved down from Buffalo and we were both in a Baltimore mom's Facebook group and I was looking for help with Nyla and Amanda came on board. And then we started looking for social media help and support. We live right next to MICA, the Maryland Institute College of Art. And we were hoping, you know, that there were some really brilliant, creative, interesting people. And we got a quote from a young woman and she spelled Nyla wrong. (laughs) So, so Kevin, you have her to thank. (laughs) So Amanda is very close with her sisters and her sister is Rachel, your wife. Yes. And Amanda said, well, you should talk to Kevin And I think Kevin can do this part time for you. So before we get into like how, how that came to be, tell us about your relationship with your wife, because it's very interesting and special, I think. Well, we grew up in the same town. So it it was a small town. Our graduating class is only 110, probably. So we've known each other really our whole lives. Did you go to kindergarten together? I don't think we're in the same class, but we were in, you know, the same building. So we we saw each other and we always knew of each other, but we didn't really get to know each other until senior year of high school. And then that's when we started dating. Oh, wait. So you didn't start dating till senior year? I thought you were like from middle school on. No, not till senior year. Now, were you in the same grade? Yes. Yeah. Were you in the same classes? Sometimes. Yeah. And how did like it come about? Did you ask her out? She asked you out. Did you do a group thing? First thing I asked her to homecoming. Oh, you just went straight for it? Yeah. you just like, I'm going to ask this girl to homecoming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And tell us about the technology at the time. Like, did you have a cell phone or like, was this passing a piece of paper? I did. I had just gotten a cell phone because I just started driving and my mom gave me hers. She's like, oh, you, ha- you should have this now. So I had one. Rachel didn't have one. So was it a flip phone? No, it was just like a solid body, like rectangular yeah. phone. But yeah, most of our communication was instant messenger. So we would talk through AIM every night. You each had computers in your own room? No, I don't think neither of us did actually. Do you remember what your handle was? I still know my handle. Coaster 421. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's the relevance of Coaster? I don't know. I don't really know why it started. What was hers? 421 is my birthday. Hers was just a version of her name with numbers. Okay. That's pretty solid, right? Like people yeah. do their high school graduate. You can always tell what like year people are by their email accounts. 
I, yeah. I always yell at people who are still on Yahoo. It really dates them. So, so you talked by AIM each night, and this was pre-video. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no video. So no webcams. Homecoming dance. Was there a winter formal, too? Yes. I think it was called a twirl. Uh-huh. And did you go to prom together as well? Yep. So was it smooth sailing from, like, homecoming on? Yeah, pretty much. We started dating probably a month after homecoming. When did you officially go together? Like, when did you become boyfriend-girlfriend? Was it pretty instant? Yeah, it was in, in November. I think homecoming was sometime in October. Now you guys go away to different colleges, right? Yes. We both ended up in Rochester, not by design. We had both been looking and had both already applied to schools in Rochester, but they were different schools. She went to the University of Rochester, and I went to Rochester Institute of Technology. RIT. Woo. Yeah. So how did you decide what you were going to study? I had always thought that I would do architecture or engineering, something like that. I, I always loved building things. When I was a kid, it was Legos, Connects. That's, that's what I did and played with all the time. Do you have a whole series of Legos in your house right now, like put together Legos? No, nothing put together anymore. They're still at my parents' house. We've got a ton of Legos there that my son is starting to get into. He, he absolutely loves. How did you decide between architecture or mechanical engineering? In high school, we had a technical drawing class and then a computer-aided design class. So I got like an intro to CAD and I, I really loved CAD. I thought that was awesome because I, I guess that gave me an, a hint of the drawing aspect, the, the creativity. Um, so I, I loved that. And once I, once I did that, I knew I wanted to do engineering. The town I grew up in was right next to the headquarters of Fisher-Price. So oh. we got to do it. The teacher had organized like a couple of Fisher-Price engineers to come and we did a, a little project with them to design new cars for some track system that they had. And, and I absolutely loved that. That was really cool. Did you have um, matchbox cars and the whole tracks and do all of those things as well? Yeah. Yeah, I had some of those. Yeah. I loved setting up the tracks way more than I thought I would. Now, did you get really into the physics of, of the stuff as well? Or you loved the precision of drawing? What was it that like drew you to it? What drew me initially is definitely the the drawing aspect and the, the design. But I did like the, the physics, the motion, figuring out how things worked and how different parts and components could fit together and achieve different things. So now you go off to college. Is it just four years straight through? co-op what was your college experience like RIT at that point was a five-year program I think it still is five-year but they were on a quarter system back then they just recently I think switched to semesters so it was five years you had the summer off I think the first year and then the rest of the time it was full-time you would either be on co-op or you'd be at school so when you graduated in five years you had 12 months of work experience so how long were the co-ops at a time uh, three-month blocks. And what did you do for co-ops? I did one at a place called Koike Aronson, and they made welding positioners and cutting tables. So they had like laser jet cutters and fuel torch cutters and water jet cutters. So that was really cool. I, I liked that a lot. They, they made a lot of big equipment, and I ended up doing nine months there. Okay. I did, I did two separate blocks, a six-month and a three-month. And then what was the last one? The last one I did was a internship at a tool and die shop. So it was in mold making. And that was actually at, at my uncle's tool and die shop near Jamestown. What was it like to work for your uncle? It was really cool. Yeah, I learned I learned a ton there. 
he had SolidWorks and all kinds of mold mold making software. So I, I learned a ton about like actual practice of engineering and working with clients and stuff. Now, do you do all the repairs around the house? Are you like a Mr. Fix-It too? Yeah. I feel like most engineers are like really intensely, at least male engineers I know are like super intense about home repair. Yeah, no, I, I do like to, I do like to do home repair. <laughs> What's the biggest project you've ever done? Probably a big one we did just this summer. We had to get new concrete like all around our pool. We had paver blocks in it, so we took it out, and then I had to dig a three foot trench around the whole foundation because we were getting leakage through into the basement. And then we um, put a bunch of waterproofing material and tarred the side of the cinder block, filled that in, and then my dad helped me a ton with that project. And we rented a thing called a jumping jack. It's kind of like a jackhammer with a big flat bottom to compact the earth back when it was done. But we didn't pour the concrete. It was way, that would have been way too much, but getting it all ready was a big project. It took us, we probably spent like seven or eight days doing it. And that's some real labor, right? That's not even about being precise, right? Like it's not like a cutting molding or something like that. No, that was a very much labor project. Since we've been in this house, the projects have been very labor intensive. Otherwise, we've done a bunch of new cabinetry in in our son's playroom. So, Did you make it? Where's the cabinets from? We bought cheap cabinets, but then I built extensions. So they were like 18 inches higher off the ground. And then I'm doing the molding all around it so that it all looks like an expensive uh, (laughs) built-in set. But the base cabinets themselves were very cheap. Yeah, that's what we were uh, gonna do with the IKEA uh, Billy bookshelves for our yeah. daughter's room. Yeah, let's go back. You have a pool in Rochester. Yeah, is that really uncommon? No, it's it's really common. What? Western New York has like a very high pool, like per capita. I think everyone tends to take advantage of when it's nice, so they get the pool and they use it very heavily for three months, and then you know it's worth it for them. How funny! Now. You were studying mechanical engineering at RIT and you loved it. Was that your dream that you were going to grow up and be a mechanical engineer for your life? Yeah, definitely. That was the plan. 100% the plan? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what happened along the way to now your full-time job is running a marketing business? So let's start with like right after school, you get married to Rachel. Yeah, we got married in uh, 2009. And at that time, the economy was losing like 700,000 jobs a month. So it was a terrible time to graduate. Nobody in my class got hired anywhere. Really? Nobody. No. Everybody. And RIT is like a great school. I mean, don't you guys normally have people like lined up? And plus you had all those co-ops. So not even your uncle hires you. No. You can't even get a job with your uncle. Nobody could. I mean, (laughs) everyone, everywhere I had worked, they said, oh, let us know when you're done, you know? And but they couldn't at that point because they the business was just was just gone. Like they were all laying off. They're not going to hire anybody new. I didn't get my first real engineering job for about a year. That is where things really you know changed, and you know my opinion of like what I thought I should do for my life. So, were you living at home? What were you doing? No, I lived. Uh, I still lived in Rochester. Rachel was still in grad school, so I got a job at a hardware store. I worked at a hardware store for almost a year. Um, I shoveled snow overnight. I got a job doing that. You know, it, it by was, hand or with a truck? By hand. At it. It was at <laughs> this this through this place that had contracts at a bunch of healthcare facilities. So like they'd call me at two in the morning and say, Oh, we gotta clean out 
this place. And so I go do all the sidewalks and the entranceways to the place. And so, yeah, I did what I did what I could to bring in money for that year while sending out resumes, but it was, you couldn't even get an interview. Like I, I didn't, it wasn't that I was ever, I never even got to that step. No one would respond to anything. You had student loans, correct? I had some and my wife had some. So like we, we had a lot in total. Yeah. Are you looking for more from your career than just a paycheck? At Nyla, we offer that and so much more. Join us for a career where your growth is our priority with generous pay, unbeatable benefits, and a supportive environment that cheers on your every achievement. We're scouting for top-tier data scientists, software engineers ready for something bigger. Ready to be a part of a company that cares about where you're going? We're ready for you. Check us out at nylatechnologysolutions.com or drop us a line at hello at nyla.io. Did you assume when you took the student loans that you would be able to pay it off? Like, why didn't you go to SUNY? Why did you go to RIT instead of SUNY? I got a presidential scholarship to RIT, so it covered almost all of it. Nice. So I didn't have that many loans. So let's unpack that a second. How did you get a presidential scholarship? What was entailed? I know you're super humble, but like, actually just state the facts. What was entailed in being a presidential scholar? And that's just what they called it. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what. I don't know. Did they award it to you? Did you apply for it? it No, they awarded it to me. Like after I had applied to school, like they offered me that as my package. Was it because of your, were you valedictorian of your high school? Um, No, almost. Um, (laughs) Through my whole life, I was, I was always in the like top, top of the class, but. So someone came from behind at the end? Well, yeah. Senior year, (laughs) I kind of. Rachel's to blame. I blacked off quite a bit. <laughs> With all that time on AIM? Yes. Too much instant messaging. Now, what happened during this time? Were you like, I should have gone to medical school like your brother? Was your brother like, follow me, man? No. We can have our own practice. No, I always had an interest in web design too. And that is when I decided that I was going to build my own website. I started listening to podcasts and things about internet business and earning money online. And I thought, you know, I can do this. And that's when I started my dog likes. And I spent all my free time during that year working and building my dog likes and getting that off the ground. You had a dog at this point. So yes. you're a poor, poor college graduate. And you have how many dogs? We just had one dog. What was the dog's name? Harley. Harley. So you got the dog together. No, we didn't. He was in Rachel's family. But then we like took ownership of him. Okay. And were you programming in college? What kind of programming were you doing? Not much, right? Did no. you do like Visual Basic? Barely. We did, yeah, we did Visual Basic. I think I had one class in that. And then we did some other class where we had to build like Wikipedia type style pages. Did you even have to do like a database like for your models or anything like that for like building? Wasn't there like software for doing your mechanical packages and proof that like what you were designing would be okay? Yeah, we did a lot of uh, finite element analysis stuff that is kind of like that, that would integrate with our SolidWorks packages, you know, and it would check the stress on the parts that you're designing and things like that. It was a little bit of coding, but not 
hardcore coding or by any means. So what podcast are you listening to that really piques your interest? The first one, which is still around, was the Smart Passive Income podcast. Really? And who hosts it? Pat Flynn. His story was kind of similar to, to mine in that regard. So I guess I related. He was an architect and got laid off in 2007 or something. And he decided to like take his architecture knowledge and he made a, a course about... <gasps> I read about him in Gary Vee's book. He's... Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. He, he's, he's very famous. Like, And he's, he's done like really well over the past you know, 15 years. So he makes a lot of money on preparing people for the test, right? Yeah, that's how he started. Like he built, he built that site and it sold like test guides and getting people ready for their, you know, architecture exams. And then he started to teach other people how to do what he did basically. And then I think after a couple of years that made more money than probably the architecture stuff, but he was always very transparent with like monthly earnings reports on his website and things like that. So you're listening while you're shoveling late at night. When's your prime yeah. listening time? Yeah, I would listen. I would listen while I'm shoveling, and then I would have downtime because the hardware store. My hours would be irregular, so I would, you know, that's when I started building. So tell us about my dog likes. So that was designed to be a resource for dog owners. Harley is the first dog I ever had, so I was 22 or, or so when I had my first experience with dogs and really fell in love with with him and dogs in general. I had no idea that I even liked animals at that point. So it was like clear to me that that's the path I wanted to take with this online business thing. I had a lot to learn and I was learning a lot. So I was trying to share that information with other people. So I created a site that as a resource for dog owners, you know, whether they're new or experienced dog owners, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot of always new things coming out. So we try to keep trend on the market and let people know what's out there, what's good, what's not. What platform did you use? I built that one on Joomla. What is that? Does that still exist? It does. Yeah. They're going to come after me now. (laughs) You didn't build it on WordPress. How did you decide what platform to build it on? WordPress didn't have the dominance that it does now. So No, when I was learning about the different CMS platforms... There was WordPress, Drupal, Joomla. Those were like the big three. WordPress still was the number one, but something I had read made me think that Joomla was the best fit. So that's what I originally built my dog likes on. Now, you're a bit younger than me, so I want to understand the technology at the time too. Now, did you have a laptop or was this on a tower? And what was your phone, a smartphone or a flip phone? A tower flip and a flip phone. Okay, a tower. Yeah. Now, did you and Rachel share a computer or you had your um, own? We did each have our own. And you didn't have to use like your telephone line, right? At this point, you already no. had Wi-Fi. Yeah, we had Wi-Fi. So there was no fighting over like who was using it? No. Okay. No. Yeah. So you start with Joomla. Where do you even find information on how to do what you're doing? Uh, YouTube and blogs. I learned it all from reading articles, reading blogs, watching tutorials online. So no formal training in that. Now, how many hours a week did you spend on it? I don't, I don't even know. 80? <laughs> all my time. So just all your time with your dog, taking pictures, writing it up? Yeah. So that, that, that version of the site had, I wanted it to be a community. So I, it had a forum. Other people could leave reviews on stuff that they've tried. You know, it was like an Amazon type thing where 
you'd look at a product and there would be a series of reviews about mm-hmm. it. And this was so long ago that there wasn't that much competition in that space or in any space. So who was your major like uh, blog website competitor at the time? I can't even think of one that was doing what I tried to do. There were ones that had pieces of it. I was trying to put a lot of it together. There was a site called Dogster that had really popular dog forum, but they didn't do so much as with the reviews. So I guess I was trying to put a few different things together in one. Did you have a monetary goal when you started? Yeah, definitely. I wanted I wanted it to be a source of income. But how much income? Like what was your goal? I guess I always thought that it could be my full-time income. I didn't know how long it would take. I always believed that it could be. How long before you actually made money? Um, a few months before I started making some money, but you know, it comes slowly. So if you're What was like I got the it, first amount? Was it like 25 cents? Was it 50 bucks? I think the first money that we got was from being an Amazon affiliate. So if we mentioned a product, you could link to the Amazon and they would pay you a commission for the referral. I think they had a $100 payment threshold, but it took a few months to reach that. I think that was my first income, a $100 check from Amazon. What did you feel like when it arrived? Oh, it was, it was really exciting. Like, I, I mean, I could see it, it. It was hard to wait for it. Like, <laughs> as I started, see, I would check the account every day, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, I'd say, oh, we're up a dollar, we're up two dollars, we're up three. And, but when I finally got to the point where a check came, you know, it, it makes it feel real. It makes it feel like you're on the right track. Now, were you married at this time or not married? We weren't married when I started it, but we got married during this time. And what was her attitude towards it? Was she completely on board? Did she think you were crazy? Did you have to have like come to Jesus's a couple times? She was on board with the idea. She wasn't as on board that like I would make my living doing this. Yeah. You know, she still definitely thought I should be looking for and getting a engineering job. Which, which I did too. Like this was kind of a dream in the back of my head that while I was still sending out resumes and trying to find an engineering job, I was building this in the meantime. Did you know anyone in real life who was doing passive income or anyone like this? Were you the only person you knew who was doing this? Or did you have another forum where you were chatting with people who are all as crazy as you and believing that you could build passive income? I didn't know anyone in real life. I was a part of different forums you know, talking to other people doing this, learning from them, learning from each other. So now you get married and when do you actually get your engineering job and what, how does that happen? It was in, I think June of 2010. So it was a little over a year after graduation. Was this using Monster? No, actually Craigslist is where I found that lead. No way. Craigslist. So what was the ad and what was the job? It was for a mechanical engineer and it was working at a place called Northern Air Systems and they made air conditioning equipment. So like custom solutions for, they would do like refrigeration trucks or mobile broadcasting trucks. So it it was like high-end specialized air conditioning equipment. Okay. And what's the job like? And how does this impact your website? I I really loved it there. Um, I had a great experience. I learned a ton. I got to do a lot of design. It was a small company. I was one of three engineers, I think, at the time. Everybody was great. Uh, the company was doing great. But I, I still would, would always think about the site and work on it some in my free time. But around that time, my dog likes got hacked. It, oh, it got, I never knew that. How did you get hacked? I don't, I don't know how. Uh, but 
we got we got a takedown notice from our host, and they said there's malware on your site. <gasps> You're and they they took it down. And I I was only a month or two into the new job, and I was trying to figure out you know how do I sort this out. When I went to the site, it was just a complete mess of jumbled code, and I I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. Like I I, I tried. I spent a lot of time trying to figure it out, but I I could never get it fixed. Like. It, it was ruined. Like, and I didn't have like this, the site backups that we had from the host didn't, didn't work. Like it I know was, that happens so often to people, right? People just rely that their content is safe on the content management system. Right? Yeah. But they say, Oh, we do daily backups and stuff. I know. And, Everyone's websites are so at risk yeah. because they don't have backups, even printouts, right? Like of all the words that you spent time crafting. Yeah, it's there's an amazing amount of work that goes into it and most people aren't protected. They don't have, you know, some sort of backup outside of the web system that they're using. So what did you do? I had to put it on hold, I guess. Like that was the temporary end of it. And how long had it been going at this time? Probably a year and a half. Oh. It had grown a lot. The forum had thousands of posts. We had like over 100 members. We had we, we were earning money every month. Like I was really happy with how it was going. So at what point do you get a second dog? And when do you start up the website again? I could never get it out of my mind, basically. Like the idea, I always wanted to go back to it. So I worked at the air conditioning company for two years. And then I started working for a small engineering consulting group. And I worked there for several years. But I I still had always in the back of my mind, like wanted to get my dog legs back up and running, whether I was going to do it full time or not. I wanted to have that passive income and to have that out there. So you have, do you pick the same platform again? Nope. When I started again, I think 2014, I just finally decided to start it again. So we'd been down four years. Oh, actually there's another hiccup in there that caused me to not ever get it started up in the meantime is Somebody snagged my domain when I let it, it last. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So this was like shortly after it got hacked, I got an email. The renewal was up. And when I went to go renew, somebody else had renewed it. So somebody else had been watching and they, they took it. So that's brutal. So you lose my dog likes. Yep. I lost it. And they put up like a dummy site. Just to be jerks. And they, yeah, no, they, they, it was very clear to me that they wanted me to offer them money to buy it back. And I very stubbornly just refused. Yeah. I waited them out two years. And then the day that it expired, they let it lapse and I bought it back. <laughs> so I, I, I waited them out and I got it back. It's not even like you had a ton of merchandise for my dog likes. Like you could have switched it. I could have. Okay. But I want wanted it and I was angry. <laughs> well, that seems reasonable. Now, what platform did you use this time? This time I used WordPress. Okay. And how did you secure your site? I used something called Vault Press. It's like a built-in WordPress backup that, you know, it takes daily daily backups not related to your hosting company. They're like stored on another server. How long does it take to actually put it back together? I tried sorting through like what I had from before and I, it was just too much of a disaster. I had just like raw files. 
So I basically couldn't rebuild it. I started from scratch. Oh my gosh. But how much faster was it? Because you had all this knowledge this time, right? You already had a ton of photographs or you started literally from scratch. I really started from scratch because I, I took it in a different direction too. It, it had been like three or four years had passed. The The market was different. I knew I didn't want to do a forum. I didn't want to go through all that effort of trying to find and build an actual community on the site. Mm-hmm. Blogging had gotten to be a lot more popular then. Right. So instead of it just being review style, we decided to do more of a blog style. So this was more in-depth articles. So not just short little posts, but long articles to try to be like an authority in the space. And how involved is Rachel? Is she like helping? She still really wasn't at that point. Not until maybe a year after I got the WordPress going, I convinced her to start taking it seriously. Like she saw what was growing and I convinced her to to help me. Why did you want to have her join in? She is very good at everything she does. I needed her help. She's an amazing writer. She's a great photographer. She's good at managing and giving directions on, you know, this is what we should do next, keeping like schedules and stuff. And so when she like joined up with me to do it, that's when it like really took off and we became, you know, a known name in the pet blogging community. Nice. Do you tell her and give her that credit? Are you good about praising? Oh, she knows. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure you're good at like acts of service, but are you good about like using using your words and telling her? I hope so. <laughs> she, we would not be where we are without her. All right. So you're working for this consulting company. You guys are married. At this point, you have two dogs and you have your yep. website back up. Yep. Okay. And I come along. Is that is that the timeline? Not quite yet. <laughs> I, uh, I started taking it a little more seriously every year, like 2014, 15, 16. And then in early 2016, I got laid off from the consulting firm. And it wasn't a surprise. The main project I'd worked on for about the last year and a half was a medical device. And we had been preparing it for a 510k filing. And we finally like submitted it. And now we had to wait like six months to hear back basically from the FDA. And we just didn't have anything else in the pipeline. So I kind of knew it was coming. So the the whole time I've been trying to ramp up my dog likes because I I thought this was coming and I was kind of like, can I really do this? Can I make my dog likes like my full-time thing? So that sort of gave me the opportunity to do that. And what did it replace your income at that point? Um, it didn't yet, but I convinced Rachel to like, let me really give it a shot, you know, to spend the next six months, like really trying to make it work, really boosting the the income to a, a reasonable level. Was she scared? Was she, what was her attitude towards that? She was supportive of it. You know, I, I never could have pursued it if she didn't agree to that. And right. like, she had benefits that we needed. We, we had always been on her benefits because she works for a school district. So she, you know, has good benefits. And a pretty stable career. Yeah. So, you know, we, we decided to go for it together. Like, and she believed in that it could happen. Now, at what point does Nyla come into the picture? I think it was 2017. So it was like in this next year, like my dog likes was, was running strong. Like we were going to, to conferences across the country. We were working with all kinds of national brands. 
a lot of my family and friends barely knew that I was even doing this until like 2016. I didn't talk about it a lot, but once it got to that point, you know, everybody knew and it's like, oh, like, I don't, I don't think anyone would really have believed in it earlier on, you know? Sure. But so, yeah, that's, I think that's when Amanda wanted to introduce us. And at what point do you have a second dog? We got Charlie in 2015. So you have two male dogs? Yes. Harley has since passed, but we, we had two now. And Charlie has a special role in Rachel's work, right? Yes, he is a school therapy dog. Did you get him specifically for that? It was always something she wanted to do. She'd been to training before where other psychologists had used therapy dogs in their practice. So, you know, seeing kids or visiting classrooms and things. So she was always interested in that. Harley would have been amazing at it. He was just a little bit too old at that point. Charlie had a, had a great temperament for it. So he, he went through a lot of training. He got his canine good citizen award. And then that is what was required at the school district that she worked at to bring it, her, the dog in. Was it hard to find the, the right training available or did she have to do it herself? Like how, how did you even find the right training for that? It's pretty uh, easily available, the CGC. And then there's another one after that, Therapy Dog International. A lot of places will require that you are, have the TDI certification too. Charlie doesn't have that. We, we didn't need to take that next step. Probably if we wanted to take him into hospitals, you would need to do that. Okay. But it's just like another layer of, of training that they need. Now, do you get paid extra for, to have a dog that is certified? Like, is that like a bonus? Like you and the, the dog gets $10 an hour? No, he should though, don't you think? You spend all that money and your dog doesn't even get extra money? He doesn't get any, he doesn't get paid, poor guy. But people are probably much happier to see you than just normal, right? To come oh, yeah, in she with- says, you know, everyone's excited to see, to see Charlie every day. Nobody cares about seeing her, so. And is there certain breeds that are best for therapy dogs? A lot of times Goldens and Golden Doodles are popular therapy dogs. Charlie's a Golden Retriever. But so many breeds can can do it. You know, it really isn't a breed-specific thing. They're, those are just the most common ones. So now we're in 2017, and Amanda reaches out. What does she say to you? Well, she said that you were interested in getting some help with social media. And, you know, obviously, we've gone through all that. We knew what you need to do to have an effective presence. So I was definitely really interested too. We weren't at the point where we're making a ton of money, like with my dog likes. It was making a nice income, but it's not like, you know, really raking it in. So like I was interested in, oh, can I do this stuff for other people too? So I was your first client? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think you got us set up. I remember definitely setting us up with Twitter and setting us up with like the right trends to follow. And I'm not sure we had much on social prior to you showing up. No, you you had accounts and the posting was just more sporadic. Yeah, I don't think we had anyone doing it. Yeah, it was just kind of, I think, when something special was happening. So it wasn't the consistent thing that you need nowadays to like have any traction. And then I hit on a gold mine when I started posting as myself on LinkedIn. Yeah. Which really surprised me how much of a difference in response me posting is me on LinkedIn versus the company posting. Yes, it it was, it's it's giant difference between the engagement you can get personally versus through a a corporate page. 
Yeah, I think you have to have a really no- well-known brand to have a strong corporate page. Definitely. And then I send you this email. Did I, I did I call you before I sent you the email or I just sent you this really long email? I think you just emailed me. Okay. Before I tell people what the email said, what was your reaction when you got the email? I was very excited. Like I was really on board right away. Okay. So I send Kevin this email and I barely know Kevin, right? I know of him through Amanda, who is definitely a very trusted source, but Kevin's, you know, quiet, definitely good on email, not great on phone, but that's okay. You're getting a lot better on phone. Do you feel like you are? Uh, I'm trying. I think you're you're very trustworthy, which I think is like one of the major things we have going from a company brand perspective. We're not pushing people things that they don't need. And even when we disagree with them, we either have data to back it up or we definitely believe our opinions, mm-hmm. right? So I think whether people love our advice at the time or not, you know, we're definitely giving what we think is the best uh, professional advice based on the data. So I send Kevin this email, which is, hey, I think we should start a business. <laughs> like, hey, by the way, I think we should start a business. And I don't think I ran this by my husband. Like, maybe I did. So for those of you listening who don't know my backstory, I am the founder and CEO of Nyla Technology Solutions, which is my full-time big life job. And my husband is co-founder. And he started like doing a little bit and then joined as full-time CIO. So it's also my husband's full-time job. So Nyla has a very big impact on our life because it is our primary source of income. And we have two little kids and, you know, an old house that we have repairs on. And I'm not sure I asked for approval, but I just said to Kevin, hey, I think we should start a business together. And this is what I think will happen and yeah, you basically said yes. Why Why was that? You didn't really know me either. So what was your, why were you kind of excited? Well, I thought about it a little bit, you know, after working <laughs> with you, uh, uh, you know, oh, can I do this for other people too? Whether I would have done it or not is another question without, you know, your push. So I was excited and I knew your success in starting and running Nyla, you know, through Amanda, I knew your history. So I was excited to like have you as a partner and like to help push this forward. Like I thought, wow, this could be a really awesome fit. I definitely think we are solid partners. You know, we're both engineers. And what I think I'm finding so interesting too, I'm talking to so many engineers who have deviated, I think, from being core engineers. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of creativity that goes into marketing as well as just we look at the data a lot. There's so many analytics that show us the performance. And the thing I love personally about engineers is I think we're very driven to create and put something out in the world is how I would describe an engineer. Very focused on doing and coming up with solutions, even if they're imperfect, right? You're you're comfortable kind of clobbering things together until you get to perhaps an elegant solution. But the point is to get something done and out there. And I had learned a lot from social media. I'm very into software product design personally. So my professional career had really been focused on building software products and a cloud-based architecture. But I had a real love of 
building products. I never liked a product you could actually touch. So like my thing was mm-hmm. always like a computer as well. I never have been into building or designing products that you could actually touch. So yeah, I send you this email and I'm like, guess what? I think we should be partners. And I feel like this is maybe October timeframe. And by December, we're officially a business. Yeah. 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 And then it's kind of a slow roll. We luckily, I, I don't know, we got a we probably should send her something, but our very first client was Natalie Mangrum yeah. at Maryland Teacher Tutor. So I met her through a Facebook working women of Baltimore, boss babes of Baltimore, and she was our first client. And you were doing search engine optimization for her. Yep. Which is funny because also known as SEO, but so many people don't like paying for SEO. But Natalie loves SEO with all of her heart. And it's a clear differentiator for us as a marketing company because I think we're competing against a lot of graphic artists. So tell us a little about the value of SEO. A lot of people think that you just build a site and you're done with it. Like it's out there. People will find it. I consider it kind of like, you know, building a town in the middle of nowhere. You know, somebody will stumble across it at some point, but you want to build as many roads as possible to it. You want people to be able to come to it and find it easily. So that's kind of the gist of SEO. You are building a network around your site that leads to your site for different terms that you want to rank for. So you're you're trying to get Google to understand who you are, what you're all about, so that they help lead people to your site. And we've struggled with selling SEO because it's hard to do So it's one of the things we charge more for and they don't see it. It takes a while. It's like planting a seed. It's like, oh, we planted all these seeds and the people see their lawn, perhaps even looking worse than before. And their bill is very high. Mm -hmm. And we got to go back and thank Natalie. So I hope she listens to this because she loves SEO and really, really understands the power of it and continually really only hires us for SEO. So we don't do her social media. We primarily only do her SEO. And we've had clients be so annoyed because they've spent this time with us paying these bills on SEO and they don't get something for it until much later. So it takes about three months for SEO to really flourish for a website? Three months, I would say, to, to see anything most of the time. To really flourish, a lot of times it's a year you know, till you're seeing what maybe you expect to see out of it all. So it, it compounds upon itself. So y- you start to get some more traffic, some more rankings. If you keep at it, it really grows on itself and it, and it stays for a long time. So that's, that's why it's so much more valuable than paid traffic, AdWords, Facebook ads, things like that, that, that just stop when you stop paying them. Or even the social media, right? Yeah. Social media too. It, you know, you, if you're not posting regularly to your page, barely anyone is going to like come through your Facebook page and then end up at your site. So it kind of just dies with you stopping doing it. But SEO is the opposite of that. Now, what is your favorite part about running a business, running this digital marketing business? What do you like best about it? I really like being able to help people with the stuff that they don't understand at all and kind of take it off their shoulders. A lot of people know that they should have more of an online presence or they should be on social media. They have no interest in doing it. And so I, I like to be able to, to help 
people with that, help, help them get more leads to their business so they can focus on doing what, you know, they're supposed to be doing, what they like to do. It's a lot of laborious work too. It is. Yeah. It's a lot of labor. As much as we try, like, I think you and I are both great at like tools upon tools upon tools. You and I don't seem to ever really get overwhelmed by the sheer number of tools and a focus on automation. Yeah. It's still a large amount of work. Yeah, definitely. And a a lot of it can be sort of tedious work that people do not enjoy. I enjoy it. A lot of people would not enjoy that at all. You know, it's, it's very uh, monotonous. It can be so. Yeah. And I think that's why I tell companies they need to have a presence on LinkedIn, because if you're a small business and your website is just okay, people don't know about you. So people forget that people never heard of them, that they have some pain that they're solving. They're like, I need to find a woman-owned business in Baltimore that specializes in laundry services. But how do they know that you exist? They just know their pain of what they need to have solved. And LinkedIn is starting to be the starting point. And can you tell us a little bit more about like the repetition and consistency and the value of consistency? The way that Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all their algorithms, they like to see activity. So they want to see you that you're there every day, that you are engaging in the community, that you're not just promoting yourself. That's a huge one. Yeah. I think some people just talk at people in their social media style, which is a big turnoff. Yeah, that gets you nowhere. It gets you unfollowed or muted. So you need a call to action on your post. You need to be asking questions of your followers. You need to be sharing and promoting other people that you admire, that you you know can learn from. That all helps. It makes people have a reason to follow you. Like most companies, there's no there's no reason that anyone wants to follow the majority of corporate pages. So you need to give them a reason to like what you need to be sharing interesting things, you know, not just about yourself. Now, what has been your favorite story or highlight from since we started Vital Up, which is approaching its second birthday? It's amazing. All right. Do you, do you know the date? I feel like it's December 28th. Yeah, that sounds right. I guess one of my highlights has been actually with a company that didn't stick with us. They had a lot of material for me to work with SEO wise, and we did a really nice job with it. And it has grown, their traffic has grown enormously. They were getting like 20 visits a month. Now they're getting like 6,000. So although they didn't stick with us, like I feel really proud of that work. And like, I know, I know we were just scratching the surface too. So like, you know, if it would have continued, I can only imagine that like there was a lot of passive income potential there too and stuff. So that, that one was really, I enjoyed doing the work. So. Yeah. I think sometimes people aren't prepared to actually have their business increase, right? A lot of business owners are sometimes just comfortable where they are. And we have one client whose business is exploding, which causes like pains in itself. It's yeah. it's a good problem, but you also have to be prepared because execution is everything too. So I think sometimes people don't actually want their phone ringing off the hook. But my favorite part is personally as a business owner who also uses Vital Up Marketing for my services, I love that how many inbound calls we get. I get how much easier it is for people and high value opportunities to come in 
versus pounding the pavement. So we made this investment digitally and a digital reputation, which matches our offline reputation. But we get a lot of inbound phone calls and opportunities. So I just have to pick up my phone. I have to make sure that I'm not cranky when I pick up my phone because I don't know if you knew this, Kevin, but I actually don't like talking on the phone either. <laughs> I you say that, but I, I find it hard to believe. I am exhausted after our client meetings and I do not want to talk to anybody after the rest of the day. So the only time I like talking on the phone really is when I'm in the car or on a walk. But yeah, I love how many inbound calls you get. And I think that's the value of SEO. You just end up building this reputation. So you're investing in your reputation and then you just get clients on clients and you look established too. I think some companies want to be established, but your digital presence, which today is everything, doesn't look like you're a solid company either. Yeah. People expect you to be on the first page of Google. And if you're not, you know, it's, it's a big problem. So, and once you get there, you tend to stay there because of all the things you mentioned, like more people call you and Google sees that more people are visiting and calling you. So they keep you there. So it sticks around. Well, as we wrap up, I have a few more quick questions for you. What is your favorite book that you've read that's made a big impact on your life? Probably financially, Total Money Makeover, Dave Ramsey. So that I read that just out of college when we had a ton of debt, when I didn't have a job yet. I was never a big spender or anything, but it solidified the importance to me of getting out of debt. He has uh, some quotes like, live like no one else now so that you can live like no one else later. We lived way under our means for a long time, but that has, I think, afforded us the opportunity to, to take some chances and to build a business. Yeah, I think most people don't understand that living beneath your means is absolutely critical for starting a business. Yeah. Because it's lean in the beginning, right? And then we had the issues with the delay in payments, which wasn't too bad. Yeah. Uh, So we've had okay with that, but we struggled with pricing in the first year. We had a pretty big mess up that we had to eat done by a contractor. So that was hard in the first year. and, And it's a lot of work before you get paid. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of investment. Now... What do you think is a common myth about digital marketing that you'd like to debunk? I guess probably that it's instant. It takes a while to get things going. If you have no digital presence at all, we can get a lot done in the first few months that makes a big impact. If you already have some of that set up and you want to take it to the next level, you know, it it takes some consistency, some, you know, three, six, nine months before you're getting some traction, getting followers, getting engagement and really building, you know, traffic to your website and new leads. So I guess the, the consistency is the big thing and, and that it, it, it does take some time, but it's worth the investment. Yeah, I agree. And it's a nice investment over time too, because it doesn't go away. So it's there and exists and builds upon itself. Like each blog article helps with SEO and each pain point and thing that you write about that solves it helps build with it. So you're never starting from scratch unless you get hacked. Yeah, they're all all (laughs) assets to your business that last a long time. What advice would you have for someone graduating from college today in the middle of COVID? I would say to start building your own thing. I think it's really important nowadays that that people have something that's theirs, whether it's kind of a side project 
something that they can fall back on, something that maybe they want to pursue more in the future. I think having that option is really important. You know, I think the economy has changed a lot and you maybe can't rely on a stable job for 40 years anymore. So it's up to you to build what you want. And last question, what do you hope for the future, Kevin? What do you think the future of Vital Up Marketing is? I would like to keep growing our stability. I think we've got a really solid team that we've put together. Uh, I'd like to, to keep growing it and growing our client base over the next few years. Yeah, it's been really fun. I think we have a great team. It took us a while to get there to have a great solidified team and our way of working together. And it's really, you know, this year we focus so much on performance for our clients. And it's so exciting to see our client meetings and see them happy. Absolutely. Yeah. To hear them say what a big impact it's made and how they're now trying to handle the incoming calls and what to deal with. Yeah, it does mean a lot. Like we we invest a lot in our clients and their success. So we don't, you know, we're not just performing the work, but like we we want to help them be successful. So seeing that come to fruition means a lot. Yeah, it's very exciting. And what about personally? So now you have how many children? Two. I've got a three-year-old son and a six-month-old daughter. And how many animals do you have? Uh, we have a cat, a dog, and a fish. <laughs> what kind of fish? Uh, beta fish. Nice. We yeah. had a beta fish for my son. We called him Blue Joe. Ours is called Uncle because that's what Henry named him after his uncle gave it to him. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for being crazy enough to agree to start a business with me for being committed to it. It's been quite the journey. I think I'm crazy for having two businesses. I, I will be, I don't know if I've ever told you that, but I absolutely think I'm insane to have done it, uh-huh. but I didn't realize till later, right? Like I'm just so arrogant that everything's going to work out super well and it's all going to be easy, which is my probably biggest failing is I think things are going to be easy and it was super hard it wasn't crazy, crazy hard, but it, it was definitely hard that first year. Yeah, it's it's hard. But, you know, after that is done, like now, look what you built. And, you know, it's yeah. it's up and running and working. And now is the, the time to be happy about it. And, you know. Yeah, it's fun. It's like a baby. The first year is very, definitely very hard where you're figuring it out and you're figuring out its personality as well and where it's going to shape. Well, thank you for partnering with me. Thank you for agreeing to do something that makes you uncomfortable, aka this podcast. (laughs) Yes, thank you for having me. And I hope that maybe we inspire other people to that hustling and investing in yourself is worth it. Yes, I hope so. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast please be sure to share it with friends and family. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn under the Outspoken Podcast. Thanks again, and chin up, heads up, eyes forward.